Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, and welcome to the Manchester Derby edition of Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff, and in just a moment, I will be joined by my footy-fluttering friends, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, the three of us will handicap all 10 upcoming Premier League matches. Then we'll dive into some Bundesliga, some Serie A, La Liga, Ligue 1, before giving out our favorite underdogs, and then wrapping everything up with our favorite bet from the weekend. But there's only one place to start this week, and it's at Old Trafford where Manchester United will welcome their inner city rivals, Manchester City, to the Theatre of Dreams. City is an odds-on, minus 145 road favorite to win this one. BJ, let's talk this one through. Manchester United has been an absolute roller coaster. They're plus 380 at home. The City team is obviously a wagon, but they're coming off a loss to Crystal Palace in the Premier League. They they did have a little bit of trouble with Club Bruges before putting them away in Champions League. The draw is sitting at plus 310. We've seen these two teams play to a draw recently as last season. This is an 8.30 a.m. kickoff on Saturday, meaning that it's 12.30 over there in England because they haven't, because we haven't had daylight saving time. So it's an early kickoff too. There's a lot of fun factors uh, going into this one. How do you see it playing out? I think that this could be another molly whopping of Manchester United, similar to what Liverpool did a few weeks ago. Um, I have Manchester City projected at minus 116 and the total at 2.81. So currently, I don't really think there's much value in taking the money line spread or total. But I do think that the Manchester City team total is in play, especially an alt one, like a two and a half, maybe three and a half. Because Rafael Varane limped off with an injury in the Champions League on Wednesday, and it got confirmed today that he's going to be out for a month. That's a huge problem because a lot of what Manchester United has had problems with is their defense and defensive transition because Harry Maguire is out of form. Lindelof hasn't been playing great. So now Solskjaer switches to a 3-5-2. Well, who's he going to play at the back three? He's going to play Maguire, Lindelof, who's questionable for this one, and Eric Bailly. Like, that's not going to work against Manchester City, who now with Jack Grealish in the lineup are being much more direct, much quicker in their transition going forward. I mean, Grealish, he's got 43 carries into the penalty area. The next closest is Adama Traore at 25. He's been pretty much the best player in the Premier League from open play this season. City has so many attackers going forward that can just get right at this Manchester United back line. So you could see what United did last year. You could see them just basically sit deep and try to play a couple low blocks then just send Ronaldo out on the counter. But Ronaldo's not going to defend at all. So you're just going to be basically playing nine versus 10 the whole match against pretty much one of the best attacks in the world and basically get pinned in the entire match. So it is a horrific matchup for Manchester United, similar to the attacking prowess that Liverpool had going forward. So I'm going to go Manchester City team total over two and a half at plus 195. I wouldn't mind even trying to go all the way up to three and a half because I do think that if Manchester City scores first and Manchester United has to come out of those low blocks and has to actually play an open game with Pep Guardiola, it could be just similar to Liverpool. It could be five nothing at half before this one's over. So I'll take Manchester City team total over two and a half and plus 195. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like the City team total over. This United team, you just don't know what to expect from them, not just on a game by game basis, but like every 10 minutes of a game is something different. Uh, we just saw with their Champions League against Atalanta. They needed Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes to rescue them twice. They were better against Atalanta in the first meeting between the two of them a couple weeks ago, but same thing, right? They needed Ronaldo to rescue them twice. I don't think that Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be able to do that. I don't think Bruno Fernandes is going to be able to do that against this City defense, which is probably 
top two or three in the world, maybe even the best in the world. So I like City to maybe pitch a shot out, but I, I, I'm like you, I think chasing a, a big price, maybe the six to one on over three and a half or something uh, for an early kickoff on Saturday, maybe get the day started right. Uh, seems like a lot of fun. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, you know, BJ mentioned it with a switch to the three, five, two. I think that's the big key here. You know, it worked against Tottenham, who doesn't have, you know, a clear plan of ball progression. Tottenham didn't even start Tangi and Dombele, who's their best ball progressor. In that game, it made it much easier for United's two-man midfield to really get the job done and kind of prevent getting ripped apart. Pep Guardiola will have a very different and a much better approach than Nuno Espirito Santo did. They're going to create a lot of overloads in the middle. They're going to isolate the wingbacks quite a bit, I think, and, and create some space in behind or in between the wingbacks and the, the outside center backs. I have major questions about Man United's ability to defend anything in this match. Uh, but I also think we mentioned this a few weeks ago, the city defense is not quite as impenetrable. They're allowing teams to come at them a little more. They're not quite as good at winning the ball back as say the Guardiola teams of 2018 and 17, those uh, pressing machines that won hundred points in the Premier league. They're not quite at that level in terms of winning the ball back, but they're also not quite at the boring, slow possession not let you have the ball, not let you attack that the city was last season. So I think there is some vulnerabilities here. And even in the United drubbing against Liverpool, they still managed a lot of shots and a lot of chances. They probably should have got one. Ultimately, they have one of the best shot getters and scorers in the world still in Cristiano Ronaldo. So the, the plus that he provides on the offensive end combined with the minus that he is on defense, and I'm very much expecting Guardiola to exploit the fact that Ronaldo can't press the ball at all. Uh, I think they'll be a very easy for somebody like, say, John Stones or Ruben Diaz to play out from the back, to carry the ball past the first line of defense for United. So I think it's going to be an open game. I know United have played conservatively against City in the past. I'm not sure they're capable of that with the current you know, structure of the team. So both teams to score and over two and a half goals. I think City ultimately wins this one relatively comfortably. Uh, not comfortable laying the minus 145, but City beat the TS and over two and a half goals is minus 110. That's where I'll be on the Manchester Derby. Yeah, and it also begs for mentioning that this is a very important game for City to get points from. Like their uh, Chelsea is in first place at 25. Let's say City don't get three points here and Chelsea do what they're supposed to do against Burnley. Like you're playing catch up and sure they're able to do it. They're actually behind, even though they're behind Chelsea, they're plus 125 favorites to win the Premier League. This is an important game. I think Guardiola will will know that and, and have this team ready to take all three points. So that's the Manchester Derby. That's that's the early kickoff on Saturday. There is a game on Friday, a little Friday night lights in the Premier League. Southampton plus 110 at home against Aston Villa, who are plus 250. The draw is plus 270. This is 4 p.m. on Friday. I think this is probably going to end up being a buy low opportunity on, on Villa. They've lost four matches in a row, but they've scored in all four of those matches. They've not been good. I'm not trying to gloss over that. They've looked a little lost is the best word without Jack Grealish. And I just don't think Dean Smith has done a great job of trying to figure out how to fit all the pieces that he brought in in the summer to replace Grealish correctly. But I don't think that the Southampton team is much better in a vacuum than Aston Villa. So the number is good enough. It might even get better considering what Villa has been doing and the fact that Southampton has been playing better. So uh, I like this opportunity to buy low on Villa. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Nope. No play for me at the current number plus one tens are out there. I do agree with you that we may see some Southampton money come in late here. If we do, and, and we can get maybe uh, uh, you know, a minus one ten, minus one fifteen on Villa plus a half, then I'll probably jump in and buy low on Villa. Southampton's numbers have actually been steadily rising in the last few weeks. They've made some changes in personnel, going to some younger guys. Uh, Broja, as a a striker especially, has impressed me with his performance, but he's questionable for this game. He may not play. Uh, Southampton, sitting comfortably in the mid-table, the biggest concern for Villa has been their defensive regression. It's really started first half of last season. They were one of the best defenses in the Prem. They had a stretch in December and January where they played a lot of the best teams in the league. Their numbers took a big hit. They really haven't been great defensively since. And now when you look at some of their numbers, they're mighty concerning down in the bottom five and expected goals allowed. And and they've been conceding a lot of clear-cut chances to a lot of very mediocre teams in the last few weeks. So I'm a little concerned about this defense and, and, you know, given that Southampton does have some positive regression coming, but at a certain point we play numbers here, I make Villa or should be Southampton plus 148. And so, you know, we're getting to the point now where if we get a little more steam on, on Southampton, I'll be jumping in on Villa. BJ, I know you don't see much value on the money line, but you are going to be playing this game in a, in a different way. 
Yeah, I'm going to go both teams to score no at plus 125. I mean, this Aston Villa offense, it's bad right now. Only 0.96 non-penalty expected goals per match, 18th in big scoring chances, 15th in shots per 90, 14th in box entries. They have not been able to replace Jack Grealish whatsoever. And eventually they might turn around. You know, they have played a really tough schedule. Seven of their 10 opponents so far are in the top half of the table. But Southampton, like you mentioned, Anthony, their defense is actually getting a lot better, especially from last season. Basically, they're, you know, they're 13th in non-penalty expected goals right now, but it's because they're 19th in big scoring chances allowed. You know, they're only third in box entries allowed. They're only fifth in shots per 90 allowed. So it's still a really good defense if they can just stop giving up those big scoring chances. And for Aston Villa defensively, one thing that they've really struggled with, they've been horrible on set pieces this year. They have have one of the worst, one of the highest XG per shot in the Premier League but Southampton has only created like two expected goals off of 27 set pieces. So it might not get exploited here. I really just don't trust this Aston Villa offense right now. And I know Southampton has been progressively getting better, but they're still pretty average in the XG table right now. I only have both teams to score at minus 107. Yes. So I do like uh, both teams to score. No at plus 125. Yeah. One thing on that Villa's main reason they were in the relegation fight a couple of years ago coming back out of COVID was their defensive issues on set pieces. They were much better last year. I was wondering if it would be sustainable. Those numbers have regressed back to what we saw when they were relegation fodder. And so that's been the main culprit of the defensive regression. Also the midfield, not quite doing as much ball winning as they were uh, last season. Now I'd figure out when they play Burnley. (laughs) Yeah. They've been an interesting team. Uh, Dean Smith on the hot seat a little bit. He's a, a Villa fan. He's Villa through and through. He got them promoted. But those four, four, you lose four last matches in a row in the Premier League, and uh, all of a sudden everybody wants to have you sacked. Uh, let's move on to Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoff. Chelsea minus 390 prohibitive favorites against Burnley, who are 11 to 1 on the money line. The draw plus 550. I don't know how much uh, attention will be paid to this game just because I think everyone expects. Chelsea to continue their little romp through what has been just a cupcake schedule for them over there, basically since the last international break, Malmo twice, then they played Norwich, uh, Newcastle, and now Burnley. It's it's been quite the uh, little vacation. And Thomas Tuchel's done a good job of rotating his squad, right? Like Ross Barkley's getting minutes, getting Ruben Loftus-Cheek minutes. He's doing a pretty good job of getting guys in and out of the lineup. Ben Chilwell. I like to over here. We've talked a lot about Chelsea's defensive numbers being due for some regression, 10.2 expected goals against this year, only three allowed in the Premier League. So that number should tick up at some point. And Burnley's not been as much as Burnley, I guess, as, as they normally have like they are mediocre offensively and mediocre defensively. Usually they're a little bit more stout defensively and, and less exciting offensively. I think that this game could go a couple different ways. Maybe Burnley gets one, but I think like we saw last week with the Newcastle game, I, I was pretty confident that Chelsea would be able to cover the over by themselves. They did it. And I see something similar here, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Burnley gets on the board. Anthony, do you have anything on this game? Even if you don't have a play, like I think it is interesting just to talk about this matchup because I think, Burnley is just very strange more than anything this year. And they're usually just not. We know what we're getting out of Burnley. Not anymore. Yeah, you know, Burnley's defense has regressed hard. Um, They're not doing the things that you would expect to see from a typical Burnley team who is beating their expected goals numbers, getting a ton of bodies behind the ball, blocking a ton of shots. We mentioned, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with Burnley uh, when I, I bet an over in their game. And I said, like, Nick Pope has regressed. He's no longer being been the best shot stopper in the league. He's actually been quite below average the last calendar year, uh, dating back to the end of last season. And that, that's really part of where the regression started. They're also, like I mentioned, blocking fewer shots. You know, this, this matchup, you know, and since, you know, I think we have kind of a narrative on this podcast. We're an anti-Chelsea podcast. I don't want to get that out there. Uh, Chelsea's the third best team in this league by a comfortable margin in my numbers. I'm pretty sure BJ would agree with that. They have just overperformed that to an excessive standard. The reason for this is that they've been really early, really good early in games. It's, it's kind of similar to what Liverpool did the year they won the title, where they were very over, very fortunate to overperform early in games, grab an early lead, and then shut it down. They haven't, they just haven't been as good at shutting it down this year. I'm not sure Burnley's the team. The day will come. When we're gonna we're gonna cash a Chelsea defensive fade, this will not be the game where I test it. Burnley does have an, a potential edge here in crosses. They complete more crosses into the penalty area than almost any team in the league. But, uh, you know, Chelsea can be a little susceptible to crosses. Uh, that's one potential. So um, you know, maybe, but otherwise, it's very hard to see Burnley scoring here at Stamford Bridge. So I'm passing. 
Here's a price you probably didn't think you'd hear in the preseason. That's Brentford as a minus 175 favorite. They are at home against Norwich. So that's why Norwich is five to one on the money line. The draw is plus 310. This is uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Brentford are in a little bit of an injury crisis right now. They could have up to seven players not fit. Their goalkeeper, he's out for a while. So they're going to go through a little bit of a wobble here. I think we all expected this to come at some point. A lot of times with teams like Brentford, you want to ride with them during the their kind of hot spell. And then when the signals start to flash that things could start to get a little uncomfortable, you might want to hop off. And I mean, I don't want to bet Norwich 5-1 to one against this team. Like They were both in the championship last year. Norwich won the championship very comfortably last year. This number probably if this game was played in September would not be this close. However, Norwich is terrible. So I'm just going to really, really think hard on this one, but it's Norwich or nothing for me. Uh, Anthony, what about you? I'm going to go both teams to score minus 105. I've been talking about this since we started the show. This Brentford defense is not going to hold up as a top six, seven defense in the Premier League. That would just be unheard of and historic for a promoted team to be that good. They lose their goalkeeper. They lose Asia, their uh, center back. They can see two and a quarter expected goals to Burnley, three goals one of which was partially due to the goalie error being way out of position. Not feeling too great about the Brentford defense right now uh, and how they project going forward in the short to medium term, even long term in this league. And we have a Norwich team who I have backed to score on a couple occasions. They have let me down both times. So let's go back to it again. The numbers are simple. I understand they're, they're on pace to be historically bad in terms of their numbers based on actual results based on goal difference, based on the fact they haven't won any of their games. They have two draws out of 10 matches played. The expected numbers have them in line with just like a bad Premier League team, not like a historically bad Premier League team. In fact, they're not even as bad as West Brom was for most of last season. So I think Norwich gets on the board here. They have 7.9 expected goals. They've only actually scored three goals. I think they'll get one in this game. And Norwich have conceded 19 expected goals. Most of any team in the league, Brentford, Direct counterattacking type style will give this Norwich team issues. Norwich has kind of lacked a defensive spine in their more recent trips into the Premier League. And so I think both teams get on the board here. I don't hate Norwich on the money line either as a potential flyer. Yeah, real quick, uh, Derby County update. Uh, Derby County in the 2007-2008 season, five points from the first 10 matches, Norwich two. So I'll be tracking that as we go along this season. Yeah, but I think that point is why we're seeing value on the Canaries in this spot, right? Like everyone is paying attention. Are they going to be the worst team in the Premier League era? And as Anthony said last last year, like we talked about West Brom in a similar light. And it's just whoever's the worst team. I mean, two years before that, we talked about Norwich again in a similar light. Like it's whoever's the worst team gets... Uh, talked about this way. Usually it means the value drives up. Does that value always come to fruition in a win? No, they're five to one on the money line for a reason. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very tempting number on a terribly untempting team for sure. Uh, another 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Crystal Palace, fresh off their 20 to one upset against Manchester City. They're plus 150 against Wolves, who are plus 205 on the road. The draw is plus 220. Both of these teams have been really impressive through the first third of the season. Like I think Palace maybe more so. I think less people probably expected them to look this good, but they're both, their underlying metrics are good. They're starting to get results. So this is a much more, I think if, if you would ask preseason, you know, pick out five of the least interesting fixtures on the calendar, this one might've made a lot of people's lists. Uh, but I think, you know, speaking for all three of us, I'm really intrigued by this matchup. And I think there is good betting value uh, and I know you two believe that too. And we're all on the same side. So BJ, start to break it down. Yeah, I don't understand why Crystal Palace is even a slight favorite in this one. Uh, Wolves should be favored. They've been incredibly impressive this season. Honestly, probably the one more fun, aesthetically pleasing teams to actually just watch from a you know the eye the eye test. But listen, Crystal Palace has improved defensively with Mark G and Jockey Manderson at center back. They're only along 1.11 non-penalty expect goals per match. But some of their other defensive metrics are a little concerning. You know, they're 11th in box entries allowed, 16th in crosses completed in their own 18-yard box, 12th in progressive passes allowed. Under Vieira, they're, they have the most pressures of anybody in the Premier League, but they're 14th in passes per defensive action and 17th in pressure success rate allowed. So especially facing a team like Wolves that is so lethal with their combination passing going forward to beat the press, it's a defense that I think is going to regress as we go forward throughout the season. And offensively, Crystal Palace hasn't really done much. I know they created they scored the two goals against Manchester City, but other than that, they really didn't do much for the entire match, even though they're up a man for 45 minutes. I mean, they've only created 10.96 non-penalty expected goals 
goals through their first 10 matches. They're 12th in big scoring chances, 17th in shots per 90. So like, how are they going to create chances against the Wolves defense that is second in non-penalty expected goals allowed and has allowed only six big scoring chances this season? You know, Wolves doesn't press a ton, but when they do, they're absolutely lethal. They're number one in pressure success rate while Crystal Palace is middle of the road against pressure. Uh, so I, I have Wolves projected at plus 164 as a slight favorite in this one. So I don't understand why they're they're underdogs. So I love their draw no bet line plus 120. I'm definitely going to play the money line on Wolves. And I wonder if this is going to be a situation where money will come in on Wolverhampton. I, I, th- I would say that you're probably better off betting this one sooner rather than later. If you're going to be on Wolves, Anthony, uh, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I, I have a lot on this game uh, in terms of action that I'm going to be getting down. Uh, to start, I'll agree with both of you on Wolves. I've got them draw no bet. I bet that as soon as it opened, uh, I saw it right before kickoff against Everton, grabbed some uh, plus 120 on the draw no bet line. Really like that. Agree with BJ. I project Wolves as a tiny, tiny favorite, uh, minus 101. Uh, so pretty much a toss up. But So I'll take the plus 120 there. Uh, BJ mentioned this. Does anybody really believe that Palace and Wolves are going to finish the season in top six defensively? No. Uh, and so, you know, Wolves have not played a particularly difficult schedule of attacks. They have not played Man City. They have not played Chelsea. They have not played West Ham. They have not played Liverpool. So the tougher games are coming for this Wolves team. Palace, when they've played any, you know, what I would consider above average to good attacks, they've looked significantly worse than they have. I think the biggest improvement for them has come in games where they played against some of the, the worst teams that they're supposed to be better than, and they've been better than them. Uh, but they conceded almost too expected to Arsenal. Uh, there were some flukes in that. Got lucky in the sense that Man City got a red card, which you know blunts the kind of the attacking numbers there. They got Tottenham in a really good spot where Tottenham was missing multiple key starters. So they've had a lot of benefits in, in their scheduling as well. And so I also like over two and a quarter goals or both teams to score. You could play them both if you want. I think this game is going to be more open than the Wolves Palace games of the past. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very back and forth affair. And so, you know, some combination of both teams to score, or you could take the over two and a quarter goals is what I like in terms of the total. And I'm going to be playing Wolves on the draw no bet line at plus 120. So a lot of action. This one is going to probably swing the weekend. Uh, and so we'll see how it goes. You can argue that that Wolves or Palace at this point right now are, are the new Brighton. And speaking of the old Brighton, they're minus 160. At home against Newcastle, plus 475. The draw, plus 290. This is the 1.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Newcastle right now is plus 110 to be relegated. We say it all the time. It's fun fodder. It would just be so funny if maybe some karmic retribution, if Newcastle gets relegated and the Saudi Arabian prince has to deal with a cold night in Luton or something next year rather than the Premier League wonders that he was thinking of. Uh, I think Brighton is worth a bet to on a blowout just because this Newcastle team, the numbers are bad and there's a narrative issue here too, right? These players know that they're going to be not playing for this team. Maybe as soon as January, they know that this coach isn't going to be coaching this team. It may be as soon as after the international break. Uh, So why would you outside of pride and trying to hitch on with like another team or something, you know, what are you playing for? If you're Newcastle, like, I think an early goal from Brighton, just all of a sudden this, this game's going to blow up. So I'm going to keep doing it. I want to bet against this Newcastle team as much as I can. Obviously you're laying big prices to do it, but I'd much rather chase, you know, Brighton minus one perhaps, or Brighton minus two, whatever you want to do. I think that's the way to go. Nowhere else. Uh, it's plus money, Brighton minus one. So that's where I'm heading. Going back to the Seagulls after an impressive performance at Liverpool last weekend. BJ, what about you? Yeah, 538 has Newcastle at 61% to get relegated. So the minus 110 actually has some value right now. Uh, but I totally agree with you. Uh, Brighton minus one at plus 125. We saw the difference that Basuma and Mwepu playing together makes. When they started against Liverpool, their pressing makes a load of a difference. It really helps Brighton get going on the counterattack. They made them look just like the team we all fell in love with last season. And this is another situation where I think they're just going to be able to thrash Newcastle's defense. Newcastle in transition has been horrible. They've allowed the most expected goals in the Premier League. They've allowed 20 big scoring chances. They're allowing 16 shots per 90. All of that is dead last in the Premier League. They've also spent 312 minutes this season behind by at least one goal, which is the most outside of Norwich. And when they're behind, they're allowing 1.53 expected goals per 90 minutes. So even though Brighton's offense hasn't been that great, I mean, they're 19th in non-penalty expected goals, so they're not creating like they were last year. 
Newcastle's defense is very easy to break down. And once they get ahead, they're going to be able to press them and get going forward because offensively, Newcastle hasn't been great at all their last four matches. Only 2.4 expected goals created against Chelsea, Tottenham, Wolves, and Crystal Palace. Brighton is top 10 in non-penalty expected goals allowed. But what I love about most about this matchup is Brighton's press is incredible. Newcastle is one of the worst teams in the Premier League against the press. So this one could get out of hand very quickly uh, at the American Express Community Stadium. Uh, and they're in over in beautiful uh, seaside Brighton. I love the Seagulls minus one at plus 125. I have their spread projected at minus 0.95. So I think you're getting a decent uh, amount of value uh, on that plus 125. So I think this one is probably going to be, you know, we're maybe going to have to start talking about is Newcastle really going to get relegated or are they actually going to bring in a new actual high profile manager? Because right now, no manager actually looks like they want to touch that job with a 10 foot pole. I mean, Unai Emery said no, uh, which was kind of shocking to me for him to come out and say no. So we'll see what happens going forward with Newcastle. But yeah, I love Brighton minus one at plus 125. Yeah, I think it's just a team that's going to be fun to bet against Newcastle also obviously traveling from the Northeast of England, all the way down to the South coast. It's just a, a real recipe for disaster. Uh, if, if you don't want to play Brighton on my, uh, on the alternate lines or whatever, they're probably pretty good parlay piece as well on the money line. Uh, I like uh, this next game a lot too, just from a, a narrative standpoint, because I can't believe Arsenal are minus 255 against anybody. They're home against Watford, who are 7-1. The draw is plus 390. I get that Arsenal is a much better team than Watford and they're home and they've been playing better, but who in their right mind would trust this team enough to lay that kind of price? BJ, can you? <laughs> no, but I just want to... There, there's a narrative out there right now because, you know, obviously in the analytics community, we look at expected goals. We look at expected goal differential. If you pop up under stat right now, you'll see Arsenal's in sixth place and they have a negative 4.5 expected goal differential. Regression, regression. They're going to be terrible. Hold on. Their first three matches of the season were really bad. They got thrashed by Chelsea City and Brentford, but their last seven matches, they've picked up 17 points. That's second most behind Chelsea in the Premier League. They have a plus 3.73 expected goal differential in those matches. And when the difference is, is because Gabrielle and Ben White are the center back pairing, which those two were either out or not playing together for the first three matches. Since they've been together, only 1.03 expected goals allowed per match for Arsenal. So this is a team that's going to improve. And also Aaron Ramsdale has been the second best keeper in the Premier League. He has a plus 2.2 plus minus for post-shot expected goal differential. It's second behind only obviously Edouard Mendy for, for Chelsea. So I'm not going to play Arsenal at this big of a price. I think as we see going forward, if Arsenal continues to play this well, they're going to be overpriced and I'm going to have to bet against them, which I don't enjoy doing. But Wofford's really bad. I know they scored five goals against Everton, but they came back down to earth against Southampton. They're dead last in the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals allowed, 15th in shots allowed per 90, 17th in box entries allowed. So this could be an Arsenal route. Uh, Arsenal could struggle and fall and uh, like they do a lot against inferior opponents. So it's, it's stay away from me. I have Arsenal projected at minus 184. Uh, but I do think that Arsenal could potentially be a team maybe to bet on when they play better teams, inferior opponents, they're going to be overvalued every time because of the name value. But when they play upcoming, they have a couple matches against Chelsea and Manchester United. We could see them actually get priced as a, maybe have some value. So uh, it's a pass for me, but I do think this Arsenal team has turned a corner and they're going to start challenging maybe for the top four. Yeah, I think, I think that's the right way to look at this one, right? Like it's almost like a, a watch and see kind of game. This is still a, very, a really young team too that's playing for Arsenal, right? So they're supposed to be a top six team and you'll have players who are, you know, this is their first kind of real kick at the can in playing for a quote unquote, you know, elite Premier League club. So they will, they have mistakes in them. But you did mention Aaron Ramsdale. The whole soccer community always him and Mikel Arteta an apology right now because that move was lampooned. And it seems like the kind of punditry or, or pundits out there, us to like analysts are swinging and missing a lot more on, on things like this, like with David Moyes and Ramsdale. And this team is, is similar to United, a little bit of a, a roller coaster. Anthony, do you have anything on this one? Yeah, you know, if you're looking to play Arsenal, I'd recommend a first half look instead of a second half look. The, the reason for that is Arsenal have actually in the first 20 minutes of games and BJ and I have joked about this off pod. They've been the second, third best team in the league by expected goal difference. They've come out firing in a lot of games. And I know the samples are small. You can't read a ton into it, but it is legitimate. I mean, they've come out hair on fire, pressing, winning a lot of balls high up the pitch, turning that into good attacks, and then looking very dangerous to score from there. What has happened when they've gotten leads, and the reason I don't like laying the goal and a half here, 
is that when they've been up two or three goals, they've sat off quite a bit. They did it against Tottenham. Tottenham kind of dominated the second half and, and for good reason, they'd won the match. The match was over. Uh, the same thing happened against Villa. Uh, even with the lead against Palace, they did not look that impressive. They blew the lead ultimately. When they've been up one, two, or three goals this year, they're actually in the bottom 10 expected goal difference. They're actually the second worst team when up multiple goals. So I don't want Arsenal up two here, kind of just moseying around with the ball, conceding a dumb goal and losing the one and a half. I think if you're going to back Arsenal here, you got to take them in the first half on the money line, expect them to come out, make an early statement, and then kind of sit. You could also look for a potential live under as well. Hey, we're still just trying to learn how to play with the lead, okay? It takes people time. We haven't been in this position before, but, <laughs> you know, maybe those things will change. The managerial matchup's funny, too, with Ranieri coming into town, taking over this Watford team. Who knows how long he'll be in the job because Watford likes to flip their managers every six matches or so. All right, let's move on. 9 a.m. Sunday kickoff as well. This is Leeds. They're plus 180 at home against Leicester, plus 150. The draw is plus 255. I'll take a pretty heavy look at Leicester in this one. I, I haven't played it yet. I'm uh, thinking about it. I don't think Leeds should be this short is the point. I like they did just win, but they beat Norwich City 2-1. So it's not like uh, they're back or whatever. They certainly aren't. Rafinha looked good though. I mean, they, they're going to get results because they do have enough talent and Bielsa, uh, his teams are tough to play against, but this Leicester team is their offense continues to get better. So no way I'm trusting this Leeds defense to get the stops needed and not make the mistakes to beat a team that's this clinical in front of goal. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, Leicester City is actually one of my favorite bets of the weekend. It's funny how uh, anti, we were an anti-Leicester podcast early in the season. Now we're almost a pro Leicester podcast. I think we've been backing them a lot more recently, but we are most definitely an anti-Leeds podcast. At least I am. Did not actually watch the Leeds-Norwich match, but digging through the box after the fact, very unimpressive performance from Leeds against, some are saying, the worst team since Derby County. Well, if that's the case... Leeds barely beating them and not looking particularly impressive in doing so is a major red flag. They're still having some injury issues as well. So I'm not really looking to buy into this team at all. Uh, and so I think this is underpriced. I've got Leicester minus 146 on the draw no bet line. I've been low on Leeds all year though. So I do take that into, into consideration. But when you look at this Leicester attack, it's just been a straight trend line upwards. We're seeing more DACA. We're seeing more Ian Nacho. They've been contributing more. Madison, who's kind of been out of form, has been playing less. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is tweaking with the system a little bit. They're playing on the counter more. All these things are things I like to see, especially heading into a game against Leeds, who is going to give Leicester a lot of space to run into and is going to uh, allow them to get in behind quite a bit as well. So Leicester City, draw no bet, minus 120, 125, fine with me. That's one of my favorite plays of the weekend. Yeah, I think when you're handicapping leads, you're looking at it, their opponents saying, how much is this offense capable of punishing a very porous defense? And BJ, I think you're going to tell us that Leicester is pretty capable of, of doing that. Absolutely. A Leicester team total over one and a half at even money. We talked about it uh, last pod, but Leicester's really turned a quarter offensively. They didn't score against Arsenal, but they did create 2.1 expected goals since September 20th after they lost to Brighton. They've created 9.16 expected goals in five matches. That's the third best mark in the Premier League behind only West Ham and Liverpool. They'll be afforded a ton of space going forward. It's a Leeds defense that's 16th in non-penalty expectables allowed, 17th in shots allowed per 90. Also, when Brennan Rodgers went up against Marcel Bielsa's Leeds team last year, they scored a combined five goals and created 5.18 expected goals in the two meetings. So for one of the hottest offenses, that is an incredible counter-attacking team against the Leeds high press. They're going to be afforded tons of space. This is a horrible, like Anthony mentioned, this is a horrible matchup for Leeds who has really regressed. So I love Leicester team total over one and a half at even money. In a game that probably won't be as wide open, we got Tottenham visiting Everton. Spurs plus 155 road favorites. Everton plus 200 on the money line. The draw is plus 215. Another 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Spurs obviously have a new manager coming to town in Antonio Conte. Everton, they looked horrible in the last 20 minutes against Watford. And then they looked even worse in the first 45 minutes against Wolves. But then they looked pretty good against Wolves in the second half. I, I don't know which team's going to show up, but I do think that this number on Tottenham is too short. And I get there's going to be a new manager bounce and there could be some you know, motivated players who probably weren't too inspired to play for the sad Jedi Nuno Espirito Santo. But I think this Everton team maybe is a little undervalued coming off of two performances that I think people, yes, the Watford one was terrible. The Wolves one, 
they were even unexpected goals. The game state have a little bit to do with that perhaps, but they really did look impressive in that second half. So I think two to one is, is a good enough number to get involved with Everton here. Uh, Anthony, I know you are super excited to welcome Antonio Conte to North London. So something tells me that you're going to be on the Yids here. Arriva Derche to Nuno Espirito Santo. Goodbye. Uh, welcome Antonio Conte. One of my favorite managers, you know, since I've been a fan of, of the sport we call football, uh, somebody who has won everywhere he's gone, somebody who has more importantly improved the chances created and the chances allowed very quickly, uh, the expected goals numbers at every club he's been to in the last decade, for whether it was Juve, whether it was at Chelsea when he won the Premier League, whether it was at Inter Milan where he just ended Juventus's run of Scudetto's. This guy has a system that I actually think fits Tottenham really well. I wrote about this on the Action Network he loved Emerson Royale as a right wing back. He wanted him at Inter Milan. He loved Tangi and Domble as a center midfielder. He wanted him at Inter Milan. He's going to have to make some changes in personnel, and Tottenham has to get better before I think they really challenge for top four this year. I think it might be a bridge too far. But this weekend, I think you're going to see a very inspired Tottenham effort. I mean, they have looked flat for the last month. And, you know, the reports out of the training were that they didn't really believe in Espirito Santo. It was actually senior players who went to chairman Daniel Levy and said, look, we don't really believe in this guy. He doesn't seem to have a plan in training. And it looked like they had no plan on the pitch too, in terms of how to progress the ball up the pitch. Conte has an established proven system. He's been training with the team all week. They're going to actually get a match on Thursday, which I think actually helps Tottenham in this situation in the sense that they're going to be able to kind of tinker around with it and get a game under their belt in the, in the Conte system and, and start playing in the three, five, two, the big question mark, and this is what is, is giving me a little bit of pause, is do I think Harry Kane is cooked? Is he in a bad run? Does he not want to be at Tottenham? Or was it a Nuno thing and he's going to play harder now? I don't know the answer to that. I think that's going to be the one lingering question we're going to have to find out. I'm guessing there's going to be a new striker coming in as well. But in terms of Tottenham's long and medium-term prospects, I, I love the move to get Conte. In the short term, I think they win on Sunday. We've talked about the new manager bounce. Some of it is a little bit overhyped because what happens is managers tend to get sacked because teams are running unlucky. That's not really the case with Tottenham. They were just bad. But when you look at the collection of players in this Tottenham team, they are better than their position in the table indicates. They're better than their expected goals numbers indicates. There will be regression coming. And under a more solidified system, they should be able to pick apart an Everton team who I continue to not be impressed by. And Michael and I, have, we've gone back and forth and he cashed a lot of Everton tickets early in the year to his credit. But they're starting to look a lot more like the team I was expecting. No Calvert-Lewin is blunting the attack a little bit, and the defense is looking a little bit thin right now. So I like Spurs. I grabbed the, the, the play early, but I still like the money line here. I wouldn't look to the draw no bet as much because it's a little bit steep and juice now. But Conte's in town, and Tottenham is coming back. Sorry, BJ. <laughs> That's fine. You're right about the Everton defense being thin. I think you know, they've, they've left 6.8 expected goals in their last three matches. Those three matches were without Yerry Mina, who's their best center back. If he's back, I think that makes this Everton number much more palatable. You also have to wor worry about Luca Dean, who the past weekend at Wolves. So there are Everton injury issues. So you can definitely wait. I think just like you said, Anthony, like I think there's going to be some more action to come on Tottenham too, because of the Conte thing. So this number on Everton could keep going up, but I think two to one or better is good enough for me. BJ, where are you going for one of the podcast derbies, Everton and Spurs? Yeah, you want to know how much a new manager bump is? Well, Everton opened at plus 150, and now they're 2-1. to one. I mean, I understand Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world and that he's going to bring in a system that's really going to improve Harry Kane and Youngman's son and the Tottenham attack. That's 18th in non-penalty expected goals this season. But that's a little crazy for me. And I don't really want to take this Everton team without Yerimina because their defense is really bad. But if the Tottenham offensive numbers pick up with the Everton defensive numbers being as bad as they are, I do think we have a chance of seeing it over here. Because listen, Everton, they created 1.98 expected goals against Wolves. They look much better in the second half. Even without Dominique Calvert-Lewin this season in the seven matches, Everton's created 10.94 expected goals. While Tottenham's defense in the last seven matches has allowed 11 expected goals. So I think we have a chance at potentially a high-scoring game here. Um, and should see what happens on Thursday with uh, Conte and the style he kind of plays, if it's more open or if it's more compact, like Nuno played, we'll see. 
I have no, I don't know who they're playing in that fake uh, Europa Conference League right now. It's uh, uh, the Tess, the Dutch side who beat Tottenham one oh, 0 two weeks ago. The, so the, che- the Chelsea, spot. the Chelsea Loan Club, perfect. Yes. Um. Uh, but I have two point seven goals projected for this one, so I do think there's a shot at over two and a half goals, given how bad Everton's defense has been and how actually good their offense has been without Dominique Calvert Lewin in there. And Tottenham's offense should improve with Conte. So over two and a half goals at plus one hundred five for me. It, it's funny when uh, Rafa Benitez took over for Everton, everyone said, he's going to get you organized. He's going to improve your defense. He actually ended up doing kind of the opposite there. Their offense is much better <laughs> than it was expected to be, even without Calvert-Lewin. And their defense uh, has been shambolic at times, and they seem to lose uh, sight of the fundamentals, which is, go figure, it's impossible to predict sports. So here we are, the co-main event, a afternoon kickoff on Sunday, West Ham plus 380, home underdogs. Liverpool minus 145, the draw plus 320. These are two top four teams. These are two of the four best teams in the Premier League right now, which is why I like West Ham, right? This is a team at home, nearly four to one. And yes, I don't understand Liverpool. Look, I bet against Liverpool a lot because I just think their numbers are always overvalued, but they they win a lot. So I end up losing a lot of money on betting against them at some point. Maybe I'll stop doing that, but my self-control is not at that maturity yet. And I can't stop betting this West Ham team, especially at this price. Plus 380, this is a team that is basically top five in every metric we look at and we try to play on both offense and defense. Yes, Liverpool's offense is a lot trickier to handle than most of the other teams that West Ham has seen this season, but this team is just really, really good. And when they're playing a team like Liverpool or they're playing a team like Chelsea or Manchester City, their number is going to be inflated uh, because they aren't, they don't have the name recognition. Uh, so I'm backing West Ham plus 380. I really, really like this bet. If you don't want to bet the money line, I think, you know, if you want to back them plus a goal or plus half a goal or whatever, however, however you want to, you want to bet it. I know I, I tend to be much more uh, happy taking risks than, than most folks, but I just really can't look away from this number. BJ, what about you? I agree. I love, love, love this West Ham team and the way they're playing right now. Fourth in non-penalty expected goals, fifth in shots per ninety, and fourth in big scoring chances. But what's huge in this matchup is they are top five in offensive passes per defensive action and pressure success rate allowed, which were two stats that Brighton was near the top in as well. And we saw how they were able to handle Liverpool's high press and go forward on the counter. Now, Liverpool will have some of their midfielders back. Fabinho played in the Champions League today. It looks like Thiago is probable to play on Saturday. So the handicap of Liverpool Liverpool's midfield not being able to handle Thomas Soychek and Declan Rice is kind of out the window, but these two are still maybe one of the best defensive midfield pairing in the entire Premier League right now. They play really well off each other. Soychek is kind of the guy who likes to go forward and press a lot more while Rice kind of stays back and is that uh, last-ditch effort before uh, you get to the back line. Declan Rice this season is basically in... He's in the form of his life. Uh, He uh, is sixth in interceptions and tackles uh, this season, while Soychek is, has the sixth best uh, pressure success rate for players who have over 100 uh, pressures this year. But the question is, is West, can West Ham's backline hold up uh, against Liverpool's attack, which you know, wasn't great that against Brighton this past weekend, they only created uh 1.37 expected goals. They obviously got the red card and was able to thrash Atletico Madrid. We'll see uh, if uh, West Ham's defense can hold up. They are, you know, near the top in pretty much every defensive metric. Uh, but I do like West Ham plus half a goal, which is currently at plus 120. The line of Liverpool is kind of crashing. Uh, they opened around minus 160 and they're already down to minus 140. So it looks like there is some West Ham uh, money coming in. It looks like people do believe in the hammers. So it might be a good idea to grab West Ham now a lot of projection models out there. Liverpool closer to 50%. I only have them at plus 109. So I love West Ham plus half a goal at plus 120. That's a a great match too to to send uh, the Premier League into the international break. All right, we'll move on from England to Germany, the Bundesliga. My favorite bet in Germany this week is uh, Union Berlin. They're taking on Cologne Sunday, 11.30 a.m. kickoff. Berlin plus 230 on the money line. Their defense has been good. I like to back uh, good defenses at big numbers. Uh, So yes, the clone offense is good, but I think that this Berlin defense can handle it. And you're probably going to score against this defense. No clean sheets for a clone in the Bundesliga yet this season. So as uh, mediocre and pedestrian as uh, Union Berlin's offenses, I'll take a stab here at a a decent number. BJ, what about you? 
Yeah, let's go Hertha Berlin, Leverkusen, under two and a half goals at plus 110. Hertha Berlin's one of the worst offenses in Germany, creating only 1.16 expected goals per match. They're also dead last in shots per 90, box entries and crosses completed into the penalty area, but they've actually been pretty good defensively. Their numbers are a little inflated because they have a 5-0 loss to Bayern and a 6-0 loss to RB Leipzig. But in their last four matches against Freiburg, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, and uh, Freiburg, they're uh, only allowed 3.89 expected goals. And three of those four offenses are ahead of Leverkusen on expected goals because we've talked about it, uh, I think, at nauseum, and you guys are probably sick of hearing about it, but uh, Leverkusen's offense is overrated. Uh, they've scored 23 goals off of 15.18 expected goals. They're 10th in shots per 90, 16th in big scoring chances. And we saw a lot of that regression come against Wolfsburg this past weekend. They only created 0.61 non-penalty expected goals. I only have 2.34 goals projected for this match. So I think there's some value on under two and a half goals at plus 110 but hey these teams will probably score like four goals off of like 1.2 expected goals and we'll all have our head in our, our uh, head in our hands but uh whatever let's take under two and a half goals at plus 110 anthony uh, what's your favorite bet in germany this weekend it was actually poetic seeing leverkusen miss a stoppage time penalty that was irrelevant to the result the game was over uh but i did i did crack a smile shed a tear cashed a leverkusen fade it was like hitting the lottery twice in a row. Uh, I am passing on my Leverkusen fade for now. I may end up actually playing Hertha too. Agree with BJ on that one. I'm looking at Wolfsburg. My guy Florian Kohlfeldt is in. Van Bommel is out. A disastrous run for him. Uh, after a hot start, they were a mess. The team was falling apart. They were a little bit unlucky. They were underperforming their expected goals in front of net by quite a bit. But Ruth Vegost, my guy, my striker, is back in the lineup. He played really well. He didn't get a goal, but he played really well in the Champions League against Salzburg. Augsburg is off. I mean, they are the worst team by expected goals allowed in the Bundesliga. They're, they play a bit of a counterattacking style, that an extreme counterattacking style, but they're conceding lots of good chances. And Wolfsburg's defense is excellent at preventing big scoring chances. That's where Augsburg will look to get at this Wolfsburg team. I'm not sure how they do it, but I'm riding the Colfelt train. He was at Werder Bremen the last few years. Got relegated with Werder Bremen, but back-to-back years, they were underperforming their expected goals by quite a bit. They should not have been relegated. A little unlucky there. An underrated manager making some changes, making some improvements. I got a Wolfsburg team who's coming for some positive regression. I'm backing them again. Minus one, minus 110, taking a favorite in the Bundesliga. What could go wrong? <laughs> He's got a, he wears a turtleneck really well, that gentleman. Uh, let's travel south to Italy. Anthony, I'll go right back to you for your favorite bet in Syria. Uh, this weekend yeah let's go to the milan derby it's the game of the weekend some will say the game of the year in syria inter milan ac milan a lot of milans being played but the original milan the actual milan i should say uh is overrated still in the market and we're getting you know a look at you know after about 10 matches you can kind of draw some conclusions how is ac milan different this year than last year their defense has improved Fikayo tamori has been excellent in the defensive uh, line Mike Mannion's out injured, but the backup goalie's done a, a relatively solid job at shot stopping, keeping this defense pretty solid. And Ishmael Benacer, their best defensive midfielder, one of the more underrated defensive midfielders in the world, got a lot of buzz for some big clubs until he had an injury issue last year. He's been healthier, which has made this Milan defense much better. Going up against Inter, who started the year blazing hot in attack and have cooled off considerably since then. They're still one of the best attacks in Serie A, but they're not quite... Uh, you know, as good as the numbers indicate, they have overperformed quite a bit early in the season. I don't mind splitting a unit here on the first half under 1.25 and the full game under three. Uh, that's probably where I'll end up being on this game. Have to dig a little bit more into the numbers, but Milan's defense trending up, Inter Milan's offense trending down. I like under three minus 130 here. The actual number on, on Inter Milan, they've scored 28 goals from 21 expected. So still some regression going to be coming there. Lautaro Martinez, career average finisher. Same with Edin Dzeko. No real reason they should be overperforming by this much. So I think this is going to be a KG low-scoring affair where a point is good for both teams given their current situations in the table. And uh, BJ, what is your favorite bet in Syria? Yeah, I like Juventus minus 150. I think this is a perfect buy low spot for them. They obviously looked fantastic in the Champions League. We're all on Zenit, but they looked fantastic against them on Wednesday. Uh 
they're due for some positive regression offensively. They've created 19.01 expected goals and have only scored 15. And listen, I've been against Fiorentina quite a bit this season, but they have been steadily improving. Their defense is fourth in non-penalty expected goals allowed. They're first in shots per 90 allowed. They're first in box entries allowed. But in their big four, biggest four matches of the Serie A season against Roma, Atalanta, Inter, and Napoli, they were absolutely thrashed. 9.29 expected goals allowed in those four matches. So basically they're just dominating inferior opponents. So I need to, you know, mark that down when I take one of these teams like Spezia at five to one against them. Maybe I should just move on with my life and not take it. But as it stands for this match, Fiorentina is not that great away from home. Negative 2.95 non-penalty expected goal differential in six matches have only created 3.61 non-penalty expected goals in those matches. And also uh, seven of Fiorentina's five goals this season have come off of penalties or set pieces. And Juventus defensively is still pretty good. Sixth in non-penalty expected goals allowed. Uh, Seventh in shots per 90 allowed. I have Juventus projected at minus 221. So I think this is a good buy low spot uh, against an offense that uh, is pretty much only built on scoring off of set pieces. So Juventus minus 150 is my pick. All right, we'll move on to La Liga. And uh, for the first time in ages, I won't be betting the athletic Bilbao draw. Instead, uh, I'll be backing Real Sociedad plus 140 at Osasuna on Sunday at 1230. Uh, Sociedad, top four defense, Osasuna, terrible offense so i'll just trust the numbers and think that this is a good number on a on a really good team in spain that we all like i'll probably end up betting the athletic bilbao draw anyways uh anthony what about you <laughs> yeah uh great cash on the bilbao draw last weekend down a man in stoppage time no problem for them uh but i'm looking at the Celta vigo barcelona game one of these times barcelona's offense is going to explode like they're so close on a lot of chances uh, to really get some goals. They've missed a ton of big chances, especially recently in the El Clat. We go back to El Clasico. We go back to the missed penalty against uh, Rayo Vallecano. And then against Dinamo Kiev in the Champions League, they hit the post a couple of times. They had a couple other big chances. Ansu Fati is healthy and firing. Looks like he's in really good form right now. Memphis Depay is still one of the best ball progressing and creators in the world. And Aguero is probably not going to play, which at this point in his career is probably a net positive. And so I think this is a Barcelona attack that is due for some positive regression. They're underperforming their expected goals, which Barcelona has almost never done, partly because they had Lionel Messi, who's the greatest finisher ever. But they still have other guys who I expect them to run marginally above, you know, 5% above their expected goals numbers in attack. Defensively, there are still some concerns in transition, which is where Celta Vigo has kind of been able to make, uh, you know, a bit of a living uh, in terms of, you know, applying some pressure, winning the ball high up the pitch, turning that into a quick attack. That's an area where I think Barcelona is still vulnerable. So eventually the Barca explosion is coming. I think they're also still vulnerable defensively. So over two and a half goals is minus 130. That's where I'm looking here in this game. You can take it over two and three quarters if you want to, you don't want to pay the juice, uh, but that's where I'm looking and, and hopefully, you know, back in this Barca team again, here we are uh, doing well in the Champions League, going to eventually improve in, the, in, in La Liga. Uh, Barcelona is nine points adrift of uh, Sociedad in La Liga uh, and they're 14-1. So I don't know if that's worth a bet, but it's just something to keep in mind if you are a Barca believer and BJ Cunningham, I think you are a Barca believer, a Barca buyer this weekend. Yeah, it's time to buy low on Barcelona. Just Anthony hit the nail on pretty much. I feel like he just took all my notes right off my page for this whole thing. Uh, but yeah, 6.7 expected goals uh, created in those last three La Liga matches. Only two put in the back of the net. Celta Vigo offensively hasn't been that great this season. Like I agree with Anthony, might be able to do something in transition, but only 11.69 non-penalty expected goals in 12 matches. They only created 0.61 against a Rio Vallecano team that yielded 2.97 expected goals to Barcelona. It's also a Celta Vigo team that's really bad against pressure. They're 15th in pressure success rate, and Barcelona is number one uh, in pressing uh, this season in La Liga. So I have Barcelona projected at minus 126. So at plus 105, I think it's a good buy low spot for them. All right, and we'll go right back to BJ Cunningham, Iowa's foremost league expert. What is your favorite bet in France this weekend? 
Let's go back to Lil. Uh, they cashed the plus one and a half against PSG uh, last week. They looked really like the better team in the first half, and then they kind of just fell apart at the end. Uh, but this is still a really good team. They just beat a very, very good Sevilla team on the road in the Champions League on Wednesday. Uh, and this is another situation where I think that they're undervalued based on their place in the table. Uh, they're averaging 1.56 expected goals per match. That's fourth in league on and more than they averaged during their entitled campaign last year. They're third in big scoring chances and their defense is still playing at a extremely high level. They're fourth in non-penalty expected goals allowed. So the 4-4-2 is still working. And this Angus team that they're playing, the reason that they started out so hot and the reason they're in eighth place because of their defense. Their top four and non-penalty expectacles allowed, shots per 90 and big scoring chances allowed, but their offense has really been struggling as of late. Uh, they are 15th in non-penalty expected goals, 18th in box entries, and they're also 18th in pressure success rate allowed. So Lil's 442 press should be able to create some havoc. I have Lil projected at minus 155. So I think there's still a little bit of value on them at minus 125. And with that, we'll move on to our favorite portion of the program. I like to warn all the listeners uh, that these bets are not for the faint of heart. Of course, these are long shots underdogs for a reason. My favorite underdog this weekend is West Ham. I spoke at length about them. I think you just if you covered up the names, put the numbers next to each other, you'd say these two teams, West Ham and Liverpool, are a lot closer than this plus 380 money line at home suggests. So I'll take the hammers. And I'll pass it over to you, Anthony. Yeah, I have not won a bet on this team all season. So we're going to try again. Greuther Furt, plus 280 in the Bundesliga. Uh, look, there's not a ton to like about this Greuther Furt team. They do have some positive regression coming. They've been really, really bad at taking their chances uh, in terms of their chance conversion rate is the lowest in the Bundesliga. Second lowest, Wolfsburg. You'll notice a trend there. Teams I'm betting on this weekend. Greuther Furt. Doesn't have a lot to like, but they did show a lot of fight. They had a, some serious COVID issues last week uh, against Freiburg, conceded a couple of goals, but the match was relatively even for a large stretches of the match. They did get on the scoreboard ultimately. I think we're dealing with a Frankfurt team that has had major issues. The reporting out of preseason training camp was that Oliver Glasner was having a lot of issues with Frankfurt this year. I'm kind of kicking myself for not fading them more. Frankfurt had a lot of issues coming into the year. They have performed really poorly, perhaps the worst relative to expectations in the entire league since losing Addy Hooter, their manager from last season. They also lost Andre Silva, their main striker. Production up front has been really, really bad. They just should not be this big of a favorite against any team in the league on the road. So I got to play the number. I make Frankfurt plus 152. So I'm going to play the number here on Greuther Firth on the money line at plus 260, plus 280, whatever you can find out there. Anything over 240 is going to be worth a look here on Greuther Firth. Yeah, let's go uh, Wolves, who is somehow north of 2-1 to one, uh, at Crystal Palace. I really don't understand why they're underdogs here. Crystal Palace has been good defensively, only allowing 1.11 non-penalty expectables per match, but there are some concerning uh, things with their defense. 11th in box entries allowed, 16th in crosses completed in their own penalty area, 12th in progressive passes allowed, and they press a ton now under Patrick Vieira, but they're only 14th in passes per defensive action and 17th in precious success rate. So facing a team like Wolves, who is just going to pick them apart with their combination passing going forward against the press uh, is a terrible matchup. And Crystal Palace hasn't really done much going forward offensively. They're 16th uh, in non-penalty expected goals, 17th in shots per 90. So I don't really know how they're going to create a ton of chances against a Wolves defense that's second in non-penalty expected goals allowed and has only allowed six big scoring chances this season. So... I have Wolves projected as uh, a small favorite at plus 164. So give me them at uh, plus 205. Let's hope we don't get another stoppage time penalty. If you uh, wrap all three of those underdogs together and parlay them, it's 52 to one. Uh, That's just about what the Dallas Stars are to win the Stanley Cup. So let's move on to the final portion of the program. Our favorite bets in the Premier League uh, for this weekend. BJ, uh, we'll start with you. Where are you looking yeah, Leicester team total over one and a half at even money. We talked about how Leicester has basically turned a corner offensively. 9.16 expected goals in their last five matches. And I know they didn't score against Arsenal, but they still created 2.1 expected goals. There's going to be a ton of space going forward against Marcel, Marcelo Bielsa's side. When Brendan Rodgers and Leicester faced Leeds last season, they scored a combined five goals and created 5.18 expected goals in the two meetings. So for one of the hottest offenses that's going up against a defense that's really regressed from last season, Leeds is 17th in non-penalty expected goals. I love Leicester over one and a half goals at even money. 
Anthony, what's your favorite bet in the Premier League this weekend? It's only the second time I bet on them all year. I uh, have really looked to stay away from this team because I had major concerns about them coming into the season. Thought they'd be worse than their North London rivals. They have been, but it is time to buy some Tottenham Hotspur money line plus 150 against Everton. I like anything plus 145 or better. My projections actually show a little bit of value on Everton, but once I add the new manager bump in, which studies disagree on how much that's really worth, but the reality is it exists. It, it tends to be uh, an inspired effort, especially the first four to five matches under the new manager. The motivation levels are high. It's a fresh new face. It's a respected face at Tottenham. They have a more established way to play one and two progress the ball through the middle of the pitch, which has been the biggest issue for Tottenham this season. Conte will give them the plan. He will give them the blueprint and they get a match on Thursday, which actually I think works to their benefit with the new manager coming in to kind of get some kinks worked out and figured out how they're going to get this going. Everton isn't a team that I'm looking to play against right now, going through a big rough patch with a bit of an injury crisis whose defensive numbers are mighty concerning. Give me Tottenham on the money line plus 150 away from home at Everton on Sunday morning. And I'll wrap it up. Can't stay away from this bet. Can't talk about it enough. I like West Ham plus 380 on the money line against Liverpool. That's my favorite bet this weekend. Any any form of betting West Ham, I think, is is worth it. This team is, is really, really good. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Uh, we will take a little bit of a break while the international break takes place. So we will be back, not next week, but the following Wednesday. Uh, and just remember to leave us a review. And if you drop your Twitter handle in that review, you will automatically be entered into a contest to win a soccer jersey of your choice for this season. So for BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Lebo, and good luck this week and into the international break we go.